Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 983. If you have to really do something you love and you're having fun doing it, because if you find something you love and you're having fun and enjoying it, the money will follow. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah! Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today, I am so excited to introduce a very special returning guest here on Cars Yeah, Martin Shore. Hey, Martin, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Hey, I got my shoulder harness on as well. (laughs) Well, good. Hopefully, we won't need that. I'll try to keep us on track here as we walk through our talk. Martin shows the editor at Car Guy Chronicles, an automotive enthusiast blog site, and for over 20 years, He's conceptualized and produced successful automotive enthusiast newsstand magazines, stories, and niche market books. He was a media relations representative on the East Coast for Buick Motor Division for 18 years. He's an award-winning author, and his latest book from the publishers at Motorbooks is Day One, an automotive journalist muscle car memoir. It's a frontline account of the performance war raging in Detroit in the golden years of the 1960s from Martin's perspective, as he's one of the most respected journalists of that era. Martin's also the chief communications officer for Sarasota Cafe Racers Car Guys Who Lunch. Sounds like I need to hang out with you during lunchtime. That sounds like fun. (laughs) Martin was my 422nd guest back in January of 2016, and you can listen to that show if you go to Cars Yow website. And guess what? One lucky Cars Yeah! subscriber is going to win a copy of his new book. Uh, it's very cool. I have one here. You're going to want this. So in order to be eligible, go to the Cars Yeah! website and subscribe. All right, Merton, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you, bringing you back here on Cars Yeah! Appreciate your time today. Could you tell us a little bit about your career and a very obvious passion for automobiles? Well, anyone who reads the book will probably get a, a pretty good picture of my career. I like to think of myself sometimes as the accidental editor <laughs> uh, because I was not looking for a job. Uh, I never thought I would qualify as a magazine editor. Uh, I was freelancing some work. I didn't have a steady job. I was getting married in about three months, and I was trying to do as much freelance work as possible so I could at least uh, come out of a wedding and have a honeymoon. <laughs> yes. And um, one day I walked into the publisher's office in Manhattan. Uh, I was contributing materials to uh, Custom Rodder magazine and Car Speed and Style magazine, and these were digest publications that were for hot rod and custom car people. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I was about to get on the elevator in the building, the publisher who I had seen a couple of times, walked off the elevator and said, why don't you hang around a little bit? I'm going out for a quick lunch and I'll be back. I wanted to chat with you. So I said, fine. Went upstairs, did my stuff with the editor, left a couple of stories, and the publisher walks in and says, how would you like a job? Hmm. So I said, doing what? You'd be the new editor of these magazines. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And, and... (laughs) 
at at the time I I hadn't uh, I didn't have a college education a college degree I should say I was going to school at night mm-hmm. and it took me by surprise the, the only thing I really wanted to be at one time was a photographer and a photojournalist so I'd spend all my time at the track playing yeah <laughs> and this sounds like a real job and. I nodded my head because I couldn't get the words out of my mouth. Fast enough. <laughs> or you looked behind and said, are you talking to the guy behind me or are you talking to me? <laughs> wow. And, and it was like, you know, I couldn't believe this. And I said, yeah, sure. Yeah, no doubt. And the, <laughs> the starting salary, which well, we're talking now about, that was around October of 1960. Wow. So we're talking 100 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> he offered me the job at $100 a week with two raises of $10 a week over the next few months. And the most I had ever earned in a, in a job, mm-hmm. working a job, was $50 a week. Oh, that's a raise. And I thought, holy crap, you know, this is, <laughs> I'm going to be rich. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and so it was. I mean, I, I, I took the job, and uh, the editor of those books moved over, to what was to become the flagship publication of the company, mm-hmm. which was Cars Magazine. Oh, okay. And to make a long story short, by 1965, I replaced him and became editorial director of the company and ran all the car magazines, Wow, uh, of, of which there were many. But the start was really an incredible surprise because I was going to City College in New York City at night. During the day... I was out visiting speed shops, mm-hmm. and I used to drive into Manhattan, you know, with grease on my fingers <laughs> uh, to go to class. Everybody else came in a suit yeah. because they were coming from work. Yeah. You know. Oh, my gosh. And, and I was, you know, I had a car full of photo equipment and, and everything else. Well, be so careful really- what you wish for. You never know. You might get it, right? <laughs> <laughs> what anyway, f- I, I I stayed with the company for 13 years, mm-hmm. and the company went public in 1970, and I became vice president editorial, and then uh, about three years later, I left. Yeah. So. Wow, what a story. Well, I'm trying to imagine that young man, because in the front covers of this book, Day One, that we're going to talk about today, is a picture of a very young Martin Shore, um, taken in 1959. You're kneeled down in front of a hot rod there. And I kind of smiled when I saw that, that young man way, way back when. So uh, what fun, what fun. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start off by asking my guests for a success quote or a mantra, something that has some meaning for you. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So Martin, take the wheel. Well, the, the one thing that has always been important to me, you know, since getting that job was that you have to really do something you love and you're having fun doing it because if you find something you love and um, you're having fun and enjoying it, the money will follow. And and I found that out to be um, something I lived by in my collecting things. I used to be, you know, years ago, I used to collect antique mechanical toys, mm-hmm. uh, which, of course, have had become a very expensive hobby. But uh, I only bought stuff that I loved. I never bought stuff that I bought because of potential appreciation. Mm, yeah. yeah. Making money was never 
the the rule, uh, the reality was that everything, just about everything I ever bought that I loved, I made a lot of money on. Yeah, well, it's fine. And, and the same with cars. And, um, you know, it, it's just, you should always have what you love. You shouldn't be thinking of buying that to flip or buying it for appreciation because chances are if you do that, you're never going to call it right. Yeah. Uh, you know, there there are w- way more smarter people out there that can't time the market or time the car collection uh, market. And so just do what you love. Yep. It's a great way to go through life. And obviously you've done that. Your whole life has been filled. And this book we're going to talk about day one, what's really cool, I'll let our listeners know, is this is a big book. It's it's 11 inches by 9 inches inside. It's 208 pages. It's got a really cool design and layout. The folks at Motorbooks do such a great job. You kind of get the feel as you go through it of the era of the 60s and 70s and the cars of that day. So share with us what was the instigation of your goal to write this book? Because this whole thing is not just a book about cars and facts. It's your perspective on these things. So take us to that point in time when you decided this was a story you had to tell. Well, after I had... um I should say after, before, when I was writing um, for Total Performance, what I realized was that the muscle car book market was book after book that was pretty much the same. Um, Guys would, I mean, there were quality books out there, certainly I'm not putting them down, but they would get restored cars. They would either shoot them in a studio setting or in a beautiful setting, but they were perfect, restored trailer queens. Mm-hmm. And all these coffee table books have these magnificent cars, all beautifully photographed. The one factor is that's not how the cars ever look. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. And and the young people, people, everybody is young to me. But <laughs> I feel that way too some days, Martin. <laughs> The the point is, you go to shows, the good shows, the bad shows, any shows, and there's a, a pretty good selection of nicely restored muscle cars. In most cases, the paint, <clears throat> the fit and finish, the engine compartments, the interiors, they were never that nice. Yeah, yeah. You got to remember, these were two, three, four, five thousand dollar cars over the years. They weren't six-figure cars. Mm -hmm. So I pitched the idea to Motorbooks that there are no books on the market that are currently in print that talk about these cars when they were actually new, when people bought them and drove them and raced them. And in many cases, they made some modifications. But essentially, the way the factory built the cars and with minor tuning uh, they didn't look like or run like the cars you see today. Mm-hmm. So the publisher went for that idea. And as always, and you probably know this, uh, you sell an ID, you get all excited, and then you get this reality check. <laughs> yeah, you got to produce. <laughs> <laughs> now I got to do it. Yeah. And And the point is, we're talking about 1960s, 1970s. So... The period that I chose was 1962 to 1974. 1974 was essentially the end of the traditional muscle car. 
1962 was two years before the GTO, but there were plenty of cars that would qualify as muscle cars sure. from that era. Yeah. So I started looking back, and fortunately, those were the years that I was a magazine editor and a photojournalist. You were there. And I kept... I was there. I was doing it. Yeah. I mean, I, I tried to convince the publisher, not that I had to really convince them, that these cars did not run as good as we all thought. Right. They really didn't. And if you didn't tune them and change tires and do other things, they really were no big deal. Mm -hmm. And the reality was that, you know, Hemis, which are, have been elevated to godlike status, weren't that fast on the street. <laughs> Uh-oh. You're blowing the whole magic of our thoughts under the weeds well, here. <laughs> well, well, what I mean, it, it's all relative. What I mean to say is that if you didn't tune a Hemi car, yeah. if you didn't do something with uh, timing with exhaust, the exhaust system bottled up the performance of the car. Mm. And essentially, you would find running on the street with a street Hemi, you'd find some guy in a well-tuned small block Chevy that could do a job on you with a traffic light. <laughs> yeah, what happened? Now, in the, in the full quarter, in the full quarter mile, the, the Hemi starts to breathe, and it, it, it's it's a potent car. But the thing is, I started looking back at the old issues of Cars Magazine that I edited, and I found all these road tests and stories. Mm -hmm. And then I found, to extensive time and research, my original photo files from all my trips to the proving grounds for the major car makers, for Chrysler and for Ford and for General Motors, and we would go out every year around June and shoot next year's cars. Cool. Yeah. And and so, you know, I had the experience of of driving cars the way they were, not the way they are today. And while I was doing that, Mark, I discovered things that I hadn't really realized back in the day. And that is a lot of the cars I drove were incredibly rare cars that didn't exist later on. Mm. That weren't produced, but People don't realize that cars like the um, ZL1 Camaro, mm -hmm. 1969, 69 were built. They were drag racing only cars, really. And uh, they ran like crap on the street. Uh, and they didn't do all that well. But the point is, they didn't sell that well either mm -hmm. because the dealers were stuck with them. Mm -hmm. Nobody really realized that during that same period of time, there was a program at Chevrolet to build the street version of that car. Cool. That that they came out with a way of tuning that car so you could actually run it on the street, and it was pretty damn quick. Wow. And they built one or two of them, and I had the privilege of driving it, and I have pictures of it, and it's in the book. Not, yeah, so, yeah, very cool. Well, this is neat, the fact that for the readers to know, here's a guy that was there doing it at the time, and he can give a real story versus the modern-day uh, spruced-up story, which is uh, kind of what our memories are, and our memories always seem to enhance history a little better than it may have been. <laughs> what was your biggest challenge in putting this book together? Because you talked about they okayed the project, and now you got to do it. 
Well, well, the thing is that that um, we're talking about the 1960s, and we're talking about old files, mm-hmm. and that have to be digitized in order to use them. So there's an incredible amount of time that has to be spent finding the files, finding the negatives, and then getting them digitized. I, I was not able to do my own work as far as the negatives. I could, I can, I'm pretty good at, at, at digitizing print material, mm-hmm. but when it came to negatives, that wasn't the case. So there's a lot of time finding them, getting someone to do them, there's a lot of costs involved in it, and and inevitably what happens is you find things that have loose ends. Mm. Like, what the hell ever happened to that car? All I know is that I wrote about this car in 1966, but what actually happened to the car? Mm. And because I have this, I don't know, it's an anal thing of, I got to get the story right. Well, of course, you're, you're a book writer. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get it right, so... I have to at least try mm-hmm. to figure out. And, and one of the interesting things was, I think it was 1966, I was going out to the SEMA show in California, and um, I stopped by to visit guys that were pretty friendly with a Grant Piston Ring Company. And uh, Grant had sponsored, I believe they had a twin-engine Taranato drag car Whoa. that they had sponsored with Hearst. And, um, I mean, it wasn't a very successful car. It was just a strange car. But I, I went to visit um, the McCoons, Grant McCoon. And when I'm there, he says, hey, you want to take a ride in an interesting car? And he tosses me this, this, this collection of keys that I thought was going to weigh me down completely. <laughs> and he said, you're going to need a couple of keys to start this thing. Huh. So I had, no, I had no idea what the hell he was talking about. And I go outside, and there's this Taranato sitting there. And it, it looked pretty stock at first glance. And I noticed there were a couple of little scoops in the C-pillar area. But basically, it looked pretty stock. And he said, why don't you get in the car? So I got behind the wheel, and then I saw everything. There was double gauges for everything. Uh-oh. <laughs> and there was two tachometers. And there was two ignition switches. Wow. And he said, here's how it works. Have fun. Oh, my goodness. Have fun. <laughs> Hold on, and, is what he should have said. And, you know, I, I started up this thing one engine at a time. Yeah. And <laughs> there was an engine in the trunk. Well, I was just going to ask, the- where, how did they get two engines? Those, those are big cars. But, yeah, so they put one engine in the back and one in the front? In the trunk. Oh, my yeah, gosh. In, 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 Wow. In the trunk and one engine in the stock location, and it had uh, all-wheel drive, of course, uh, yeah. <laughs> with with two, or front-wheel drive with one. And I had some fun, you know, seeing how this thing would handle, because it's a big, heavy car. Oh, yeah. And it handled pretty nice. They did some suspension work. And the most fun I had was I came, well, well first of all, going into a gas station and having checked the oil on two engines. <laughs> That's like that, a that was it's like one of the old <laughs> that old TV show um what was that called where they they uh the secret camera I can't think of the Oh right right I can't think of um, the name of it but it was a TV show where they'd set up a camera and they set people up and do silly things Candid camera Candid camera there you go your memory's right. better than mine Yeah yeah <laughs> candid camera it's like check the oil in the back and the front 
<laughs> so I'm I'm driving through. I, I I stopped at a gas station to get that kind of reaction, and I left the gas station with the front engine on, and I come up to a traffic light. I was I was driving around Beverly Hills, and I come up to a traffic light. And this guy in a Mustang, windows down, kind of a lumpy exhaust sound, and he gives me the look. Yeah, <laughs> and I figure. I said, what the heck? I said to the guy, I said to the guy, okay, just wait a second while I turn the other engine on. <laughs> I, and I cranked the other engine. The guy looked at me like he didn't know. Yeah, he, what are you talking he about? He couldn't figure it out. You know, he said maybe he must have thought that I had turned the engine off and then turned it on again. Yeah. But when I left, I left, you know, in four-wheel drive with two engines. That's about 850 cubic inches. Oh, jeez. Um, so that, <laughs> that was a lot of fun. But. Interestingly, uh, I did the story for the magazine and forgot about the car because it was like another car and another day in, yeah. in my life. Years later, it probably was around 1979, 1980, when I was doing Vet Magazine that I had started, I was in, probably I was in Italy at Monza with the Swiss Corvette Club because I traveled with them for about four or five years mm -hmm. uh, throughout Europe. And um, I met a guy who had a dealership in Munich, and he sold high-performance cars to American servicemen primarily. Mm -hmm. He had the car. Oh, my gosh. How odd is that? He had, he had bought the, 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 the Grant family, sold the car eventually. It ended up as a used car somewhere. He ended up buying it on one of his trips to the United States, and he had it. Wow. And he wasn't necessarily selling it. That's part of the story. Yeah. And then years later, I'm thinking five, six years ago, seven years ago, I'm lying down watching television, and the phone rings, and it's Jay Leno. Oh, wow. And he says... I got to talk to you about an Oldsmobile with two engines. Oh, <laughs> I said I, I can't believe this. Yeah. <laughs> well, he built a, a, a Taranato, uh, but the point is, he called me about that because he wasn't sure where the car was mm -hmm. or if it was still alive. And I told him, you know, it's been a lot of years since I heard where it was, so I don't know if it's there anymore. But wow, uh, it, it. To be honest with you, Mark, it's stuff like this. That makes writing books interesting and fun. No doubt. Yeah, sounds like it. And I, you know, I was going to ask you for a, a big aha moment. That was a pretty cool one right there. But uh, was there one big thing that stood out for you when you wrote this book? I'm trying to think uh, one big thing. Um, well, I, I, I kind of, what I remember is that in 1964, when I was at the Proving Grounds at Chrysler to drive next year's cars, the 65 cars, there was a street Hemi Coronet. And I came back to the Proving Grounds the next year. They never came out with the car. It didn't, didn't happen until 1966. Mm -hmm. But when I came back in 65 to drive the 66s, I found this lone 65 Coronet sitting there with the keys in it and nobody wanted to drive it because um, they wanted to drive the 66s. Yeah. So the engineer attached to the car just sat there like a lump. He had nothing to do. 
So I walked over and I said, isn't this the car I drove last year, but you didn't come out with it? He says, yeah. He says, what's it doing here? He says, well, we figured we'd bring it out if anyone wanted to drive it. So I said, does anyone want to drive it? He says, no. <laughs> so I says, how about you and I going to the drag strip and having some fun? There you go. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I must have spent an hour or so making back-to-back passes until I ended up overheating the thing and it, it gushed all over the track. Oh, gosh. What fun. <laughs> what fun. Oh, that's that's wild. Well, you know, you've written a lot of books, and I wanted to maybe real quickly just touch on those. Could you tell our, our listeners about some of the other books that you've written? Well, the the um, I've, I've written over the years, I've written a number of books, but the first of the uh, books that I did uh, for motor books was the book on, on motion, mm-hmm. motion performance, uh, tales of a muscle car builder. That was done a few years ago, and it's out of print, but it was, it was essentially the story of um, the Baldwin motion day two experience. And I was involved as a co-founder of the brand and was heavily involved in those cars. But this book covers the whole history of those cars and motion performance years of building cars in New York that were ultra-high performance cars for the street and for the track, ranging from Cobras to Corvettes to Camaros and everything else. And then after that, uh, I wrote um, Ford Total Performance, and that's when I was on your show uh, last time. And that was very successful. And, And that was, you know, a great book to do because I, I thought I knew everything about, you know, that whole Ford uh, performance programs during the 60s because we lived it all and, and Ford did a great job of public relations back then. So we kind of knew everything, but I didn't. And I learned all kinds of things about what happened when Henry Ford told his people that we want to win everything regardless of cost. So the costs were very high. Yeah, yeah. That's opening a big checkbook. (laughs) Right. And and Congress wasn't happy with the lack of safety stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, And um, when Iacocca started investigating the whole thing, he found all kinds of corruption internally. Mm. And I tried to cover it, you know, as loosely as I could because I wasn't writing an expose. Right. Uh, and, and trying to ruin people's careers and of stuff, course. but yeah. there was a lot of bad stuff out there um, that that went on that kind of played into the end of this whole thing, as far as uh, Ford was concerned, and and that's when uh, Roy Lunn, the Godfather of GT40, was aware of this stuff, and he was aware that the next few years were going to be not too heavy on performance, mm-hmm. so he left the company. You know, after doing the GT40s that won Le Mans. Yeah, go out on a high note. (laughs) He went out on a high note, and he knew that it was going to crash down. Yeah. And uh, Smart guy. And it did. So, you know, it was a a kind of a great experience. The the, the first really hardcover book that I had done was 1987, and I did the Buick GNX book Mm -hmm. um, for General Motors. Uh, That was... um, a kind of, uh, it had a padded leather binding, 
and um, they were serialized to match the serial number of each particular GNX that was built. Wow! And they wow. built they built 547 of them, and so I did the book that went along with the program, and then. GM decided to print extra copies for GM executives and uh, for the Sloan Museum to sell. And uh, the book is, is long out of print, and I think copies now sell for $150, $200 a copy. Sure. Wow. Very cool. Well, but I, it, it, was a great, it was a great experience, and at that time I was a PR guy handling Buick on the East Coast, so it was really easy for me to do the book. Sure. So. Very nice. Well, is there any new project coming up that you can share with us that's in your uh, future this year? Are you working on another book? No, I'm working on retirement. <laughs> that's not allowed. I'm, 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 wor- I'm working on trying to have some fun with my cars. Okay, okay, well, yeah. Instead of always working. I understand, um, I understand. Uh, well, you know, it... it I mean, you do know because you know the business, but it, it, it takes a lot of time and energy to write a book. Yes. And uh, fortunately, I love it, so I was able to do it. But what I realized is that time is f- passing by rather quickly. Boy, it accelerates, and, doesn't it, the older you get? What's with that? It, it, <laughs> Just when so we have it all figured it, out, it goes by too fast. <laughs> I, I think it's supercharged. Yes, you're right. It, it's passing very quickly, and uh, I want to be able to enjoy my cars because at my age, which I'm not embarrassed to say I'm 81 years old, um, it's getting harder and harder to enjoy fast cars. So I understand. Wow. I had no idea you're 81. You're a very young 81 year old. I'll tell you that, Martin. <laughs> very cool. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. And I also mentioned, uh, I wanted to mention Dave Snyder, the artist, because he's been a guest on the show and he did the, uh, the inside of the front and back of this book, his uh, paintings are are listed right. there, so uh, that adds a nice element to. Well, David is is absolutely great to work with. Yeah, and uh, he has stuff that it's it's so easy for me to choose his paintings to use uh, because I, I I did that in the um, well, I actually did it in the motion book, and then I did it in the Ford book. Yeah. And when it came to the muscle car, you know, this book, Day One, he has so many paintings that are apropos to that era. Yeah. So I, I, I picked the Pontiac, Royal Pontiac one for the front and Yanko uh, for the back. Nice choice. So, yeah, it looks great. And I'll remind our listeners, you can go back and listen to my show with David Snyder on the Cars Yeah website. Well, Martin, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal and make those tires smoke, uh, let's hear a word from our Cars Yeah sponsors. Hey, Cars Yeah listeners, this is Mark Green. I've been using Covercraft covers to protect my cars and motorcycles since I was in high school, way back in 1975. But Covercraft has much more to offer than just vehicle covers. This time of year is very hard on your vehicle's interiors. Rain, snow, dirt, and mud gets into the carpet and the seats, grinding away and destroying the original materials. It's important to preserve and protect your special ride with cover craft floor mats and seat covers. That's what I do. They offer a wide variety of styles, colors, and materials, all designed to fit like a glove. They're easy to install and provide for anchor points and airbags for safety and a perfect fit. Protecting your vehicle adds value when you go to sell it, too. 
Simply go to Covercraft.com and order the style and color you like best, and boom, you're set. You'll thank me, and your vehicle will thank you as well. That's Covercraft.com, and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. What's every automotive enthusiast's dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garages built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Okay, Martin, we are back and we're entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle or maybe two throttles if you've got an engine in the trunk are you ready (laughs) are you ready to go ready to go all right what's the best book writing advice you've ever received well pretty much that um as i said before uh if you're going to write a book you should write something that you would like to read yeah uh because if you just write in other words, it's not. It's more than just disseminating information. The, the, a book has soul, and um, it really should be, after you finish writing it, you should want to read it. There you go. That's a great piece of advice. Now, could you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your many successes of finishing the books that you've done over the years? I'm still fairly disciplined. So I can lock myself in my office here and actually work uh, without feeling uh, too guilty. But I do have to get out. And, you know, first and foremost, I really am a car guy. And besides spending time with my family, I just absolutely love spending time with cars. Yeah, I can tell. Now, you touched on this earlier. I like to ask what kind of resources you tapped into for day one. But you you kind of already shared some of that when – you went back to the years that you were an editor. Were there any other resources that you tapped into? Well, the, the other, it, it, you can't do a book like this well unless you have some level of cooperation from the car makers. Mm. And, uh, you know, it, Ford, General Motors, uh, Chrysler, um, they were cooperative and they helped uh, because I only had so much photography and I had to fill in and uh, I didn't want to fill in using uh, photography of new car of newly restored cars, which I could easily get or take my own photos. I wanted to get stuff out of the archives that shows what cars really were then. So the guys at the archives, at those three companies and the PR people, were really very helpful. Nice, yeah, that's great. And the book is available now, correct? That's correct. And the best place to get that book 
You can go to Motor Books, uh, great publishers. They've worked with me a lot over the last years, and we've given away a lot of books. And I'll remind our listeners, you could be a lucky winner. All you have to do is go to Cars Yeah, type on the free, or tap, I should say, on the free book button. I'll send you my ebook, fill her up, and your name will be in the hat for one lucky recipient. Otherwise, you could probably get it at Amazon and other bookstores. Is that right? Correct. Okay. Uh, Amazon is probably... Uh, along with the Motorbooks website, is probably your best bet uh, to get the book. Uh, they, their pricing is usually excellent, and their services as well. Um, if you're lucky enough to find it in a bookstore, uh, buy it there. But chances are your pricing is going to be best either at Motorbooks online or Amazon online. There you go. And again, on my website at carsia.com, I've made it really easy for you, easy for you to just click on that book takes you right to Amazon and another click and you've got it. So nicely set up there. Uh, what's one singular message you'd like our readers to get from reading a day one, an automotive journalist muscle car memoir? Well, I'd, I'd like them to, to see what it was like back then. It, it's kind of time travel going back to the time when these cars were new Um what most people see at car shows and what most people read in muscle car books is 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 only accurate as to today. Mm-hmm. But if you really want to know what it was like back in the day, that's what my book is all about. Yeah, absolutely. It, it did give that sense to it when I read it. And uh, for those lucky listeners out there that will get their hands on this book, you do feel like you're sitting in the car right next to Martin and he's taking you for a ride. So uh, a very nice (laughs) ride, I should say. That can come across the wrong way there. Uh, Well, you've taken us on a great ride today, Martin. I've really enjoyed reconnecting with you and uh, learning about this new book, Day One. Could you give us maybe a parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you light up the tires and head off into the sunset? Be careful out there. <laughs> yes. Muscle cars are, are a handful. There's no traction control, biased bias well, tires. Be careful, for goodness sake, right? Well, I, I got to tell you, you know, driving a Ford GT without traction oh. control, stability control, or any other control uh, is a full-time job. Uh, yeah. Now, you're talking about the uh, the not the new generation, the last one, the 07? The last one. Yeah. 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 I've driven one of those two on a track. You got to be careful. That car will step out on you very fast. So, ah, but what fun. All right. Well, we've already talked about the best way to get your hands on day one. So I'll remind our listeners, you can go to Amazon, you go to Motor Books, our friends, the publishers, or you might be a lucky winner. So make sure you go to carsyow.com, click on the free book button. I'll send you my filler up book and your name will be in the hat and we'll give one of these books away. Martin, thank you for spending some time with me today and coming back on Cars Yeah. This has been great fun to reconnect with you. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Hey, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure as always. You're welcome. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimball.com. 
Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, FINRA SIPC. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.